all the latest news, views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. Hello and thank you for tuning in to 442FM. I am your host, Adam Jackson. With me today, Kevin Ayres again. I'm back. You're well back. Colin Stamakosis is back as well. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back in. And, uh, and, and a special guest today, we've got um, writer, football tragic and all-round top bloke, Adrian Dees. Hello, how are you? Um, Adrian is best known for his uh, recent seller on, on the shelves now, political football, Laurie McKinnon's Dangerous Truth. And don't forget Mr. Clean Sheets. It's six years old, but it's still a wonderful read. <laughs> uh, and we've also got special guest producer, Felix, in the house. Worky, how you doing? Good, thanks. Good to be here. Good stuff. Right. Um, we're a week a week behind schedule because we recorded the pod the day of the Socceroos game, but we can't not have a, a rant about... It was u- our usual good timing to record <laughs> the pod before the Socceroos and then just ignore it altogether. Um... But yeah, that was a disgrace. Is that the worst performance I've? I think it's the worst performance I've seen under Raj Ange, without any doubt whatsoever. Uh, I can't think of a worse one. There was there was some dicey periods of uh, was it Tajikistan away? Well, well there was Ecuador when we were three 0 up and uh, and managed to lose four three in a yeah, in, in a friendly. Yeah, that, that was that in England. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was the Beak esque. <laughs> But but that was a transitional uh, the Ecuador game and the, the previous ones were transitional games yeah. we were still trying to find our best squad and best tactics and develop an identity this was us where we should be at our strongest Yes, um, th- there were I thought a couple of mitigating uh, circumstances it's always difficult for people to play in places like Thailand where it's hot and humid mm. uh, the pitch was like a sponge cake um, the ball just did, I don't know how closely you watch the game, but the ball just did not move in the way a ball would traditionally move. Like somebody like Tommy Rogic, whose game is all about really delicate touch, constantly the ball was not quite where he expected it to be. You know, he would give the ball a little touch and it, and it would it would move about two feet when he's expecting it to go four. Mm. Like for example, when he just managed to get that the ball out from under his feet to have that shot that just missed the left corner. Um, the way the ball moved was just not what they were used to. Yeah, I'm still not sure that mitigates the uh, the poor passing, the mistimed runs, mm. uh, and just the general confusion uh, that there Decision was. Decision making. Decision making was just terrible. Yeah. Uh, and the timing was appalling. Yeah. Uh, I just overall, I thought, thought it was just a terrible, shonky performance that, yeah. you know, we worsen possibly most of what. Verbeeken, uh, Osiak even you, you served have, up. You have to wonder whether Ange has gone native. I mean, after his uh, very strong um, uh, statements when he was first in about how you had to be playing to uh, to play, and he wasn't going to pick his mates and that sort of thing. He wasn't going to have mates. I read his book recently, and he was very strong about how he does not have personal relationships with the players. He can't because then he can't make the hard decisions. But the thing is, you look at the guys he picked in those conditions, and more importantly, the guys he didn't pick, like Jackson Irvine, um, uh, even, Nathan, even Nathan Craig Goodwin, even Nathan uh, Gersbeck, even Nathan Burns um, has, has been playing a bit recently. Yeah. And look how well he did when he came on. Yeah. Um, 
he was about the only good thing that uh, that was on the pitch. And to be honest, he didn't play exceptionally well, I didn't think. But compared to what everyone else was playing, he mm. looked like Messi. Mm. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it was it was a diabolical performance. And I, I think it, you are right. You know, he was playing players on the basis of reputation and previous performances, not on form or um, current uh, game time. And Robbie Cruz was especially guilty uh, mm. of showing up his his lack of quality game time. Con, you're always one to stick up for Ange. Um, oh, not this time. Well, just what I felt quite bad for him when I was seeing all the um, all the stuff coming through the press and and like social media and everyone being negative. Some people were saying, um, "Why are you playing players that that haven't had any game time with their club?" And then other play, people were giving him pelters for playing players that have played too much games for their club. So like the like of Moy and, and Rogic, who Moy looked dead on his feet. Mm. He, he looked exhausted. Mm. Um, like. Uh, is there, I'm sure there's some middle ground. The, 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 mitig- the mitigating circumstances is all of a sudden half the team isn't playing regularly. Where I don't think Ange has been in a situation like this. And who do you who do you choose instead? Okay, maybe there's Craig Goodwin, but who else can take Rogic? Um, well, Rogic and Moyes playing, but who who else? Uh, what about Cahill? He didn't pick Cahill, but Cahill's playing. Yeah, I think that was a very odd decision. And the reason he gave for that for Cahill not playing was he wants. Uh, Kale to do well in the A-League well I'm sorry but it's the World Cup I How, when, when did the A-League become more important than the I think the there's World two, Cup? two factors with that the FFA had obviously had a word with them and said look we need Kale still back in the A-League because it's a, a, a key time for building up City's momentum and mm-hmm. uh, keeping the, the A-League metrics looking good uh, and he's bowed to that as he had to bow to then previously when he spoke out against uh, the fans boycott and everything else and mm. was made to eat his words by the FFA um, which was humiliating but I think also you know it, it was the wrong players there was players who were tired but the tactics were wrong as well there was a smug complacency and the leaving Cahill at home was one of one aspect of that smug complacency that we don't need our highest goal scorer to beat Thailand Mm. Well, uh, and when they were on the field, we got that early penalty, and we went from being, you know, confident to being smug to being complacent very, very quickly. And then we let in the equaliser, and from that moment on, pretty much panic set in. When I um, when I, I told you this off air last, when I was here two weeks ago, when I was at the press conference, I asked Ange, "Is there any pressure to get a result from this game after two consecutive draws?" And he's the, the response was. No, good try, mate. We're doing okay. I thought, what do you mean, good try? I don't, like, that's the that's the smugness I think you're talking about. Yeah. And I find that very odd because he's always respectful about um, about other teams. And a, a lot of the talk before the game was also about the fact that it was Thailand was in a mourning period. Fans wouldn't be waving flags and banners. And I think maybe Thailand played that very well because all of a sudden, the day after the press conference, oh, we can all wave our flags now and. Like all the focus was on that. The whole press conference, half like after, most of the questions were on that. So I think Thailand played that beautifully. Absolutely, and you know when the game actually starts as well, it sounded like the front row for One Direction. In fact, when the instant that uh, the, the and this without wanting to sound disrespectful, the very first thing I thought when um, when I heard the news of the king's death was, oh no. They're going to be so up for it when we have to play mm, them in the World yeah. Cup in in a month or so. Yeah, uh, 
I mean, they, they were fired up. They, they played brilliantly, you know, for a team of their ranking. They played exceptionally well. They closed us down at every opportunity. Mm. They were full of energy, full of running, and their passing was precise where ours was abysmal. Um, I think, you know, when you were talking earlier, Adrian, about uh, when Ange first came in, he did make the point that, you know, we were going to have this philosophy of always being on the tack, always being in the front foot, never taking a step backward. And that was brilliant. That's what we all wanted to hear, and so what we all wanted to see implemented. And it was. But I still say he is a one-trick pony now because he doesn't have that backup plan. Well, that when things aren't going our way or when we are in the lead, we don't have an alternative. And you can't be that naive all the time and well, expect to get away with it. Well, in fact, when you might remember when there was the Ange versus Arnie debate just before he was appointed and, uh, and in the various forums that I was occasionally visiting, I was actually... Um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I think Ange has mostly done a good job. I think, and, I, and hopefully this is just an aberration. But um, uh, I th- and, and apparently his man management is superb, and the players all you know, speak uh, very highly of him. But um, but Graham Arnold, uh, I mean, you know, you, I've watched him at the Mariners very closely, and then I've watched him at Sydney FC. His his teams are just so beautifully structured, especially without the ball. Um, and he does have a plan B. He does really understand how to adjust to different game situations, and um, you know m- maybe that would be something that um, that the Socceroos I, could have been using. What I thought was really really interesting was in the wake of all the fallout about the uh, the result from Thailand, Arnie comes out and says we'll still qualify. Yeah, and it's that's such a cunning move because one that lays down the marker for success. Two, it's saying if I was in charge we'd still qualify. Yeah. And three, if I was in charge, we wouldn't be in this mess. He's so gunning for very that good job. Point. One, one other thing I would say about the Socceroos is that um, I personally believe that unless we're in charge of a game or at home against a team that we really, really expect to beat, I don't think we can afford to have Moy and Rogic in the same team. It's, it's mm. a debate that we've been talking about before. It's, it's the Lampard and Gerrard. Yeah. Uh, conundrum from England 10 years ago. Uh, Even more so when you put Mastuongo in there. Absolutely. It wasn't it wasn't this game, but like the, the one before, yeah. the the Japan game. That's just... just although, although saying that, I, I'll eat my own words when I was saying how that, that Japan game, we just needed a Lecky or a Cruz on the pitch, and after seeing both of them on the pitch against Thailand, I, I take that back. I retract that statement. <laughs> well, uh, Lecky's, I, I think his time's run out for me. I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't honestly don't he's, understand how he's still playing in the soccer penalty, after that, the World Cup that penalty to give away that penalty what, what are you doing in the box when you're a winger I don't understand um, well, I, di- I didn't understand that well we were all sitting deep by then we were under under the cosh so heavily but um, Milligan I think is what, who we really really missed in uh, in that game yeah um, to be, but when he came on to be honest you know it didn't make the impact that I'd hoped it probably would um, although generally speaking I think he is definitely a force for good in the, in the side mm-hmm. calm, level headed, good distribution and fast and fast, yeah uh, pretty much everything that Jednak's not mm. but uh, Jednak still Mr. Cool from the spot give he, he's him credit yeah. he's definitely that and, he, and obviously he's a leader mm. in, in a very quiet controlled way though mm. you know, he, he's not your ebullient uh, extrovert leader who you know rallies the troops around him. 
Mm. He is a he's a, a calm voice of authority. He's a Tony Adams type leader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Without the drink problem. Who <laughs> <laughs> would who would fill that captain void there if if Jednak wasn't playing? I think Billigan would be the obvious choice for me. Mm. Is, is is he a leader enough? Well, he has taken the armband. Um, uh, he's usually been first choice before Timmy Cale yeah. in the last little while. Yeah. But he's getting on. You know, if you if if if, if, if Jedi was to go and, and they were to bring in a um, a new captain, well, um, it's a hard one. Yeah. yeah, I think you know, somebody did make the point on Twitter that it is a team full of introvert, introverts these days, which is, I think, an issue that we've got. That's a very good point. Yeah, uh, you look at Rogic, you look at Moy, even. Uh, Trent Sainsbury, lovely, who I really like. Sainsbury would be my pick. I think he's probably the nearest after Milligan for me. Um, yeah. Alec Wilkinson, th- these are not outgoing. Yeah, see, see, Wilco, I don't understand why he's not in the squad. He's just such a. I mean, as Laurie calls him in in the book, he's he's always he's call, always called him Mister Eight out of ten. He never lets you down, and yet he's so he seems to be so invisible to mm. to everybody except for the players around him that sometimes he just doesn't get picked. Mm. I th- to be fair though I think his, his chance, his big calling should have been about six years ago. I, I, I 100% uh, agree. And I think it's looking to the next generation to overlook Wilco now yeah. and bring through Spiranovic and mm. anyone else below that yeah. in terms of age. Uh, another, another problem is also the fact that a lot of soccerers are now playing in China and their season ended maybe th- two or three weeks ago. So you had uh, three or four players coming coming to that squad not getting regular game time. Then you had the Europeans not getting regular game time. It's more than half the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and also another pro- uh, thing that was a problem, not playing a friendly before that game. He had 10 days. If he plays a friendly, at least we get some cohesion going and get some, some miles into those players' legs. I thought that was another odd decision. So I think the Thai team hadn't played for weeks. So that, and, and they've not played a, a friendly yeah. or anything. I, I don't think that's an excuse for for the soccer. Reason. And I do seem to remember I'm saying he doesn't like playing friendlies. Yeah, I, I I understood I understood why he didn't want to play a friendly in in this circumstance in those conditions. Um, but maybe they overtrained. Yeah. And that's why they didn't pick Kale because apparently they train two two sessions a day and Kale can't do that anymore. Yeah, so. well, I think there's probably a good argument that the rest of the squad couldn't do it. Either. <laughs> So I, I might open a can of worms with with this, and uh, and we probably should move on. But a big criticism is, and, and I think it, it's come down to Burns, where he has maybe made a club choice that probably wasn't as good for him as it, his career as it was for his uh, bank balance. Do players are players bothered? Do they do they have this burning desire to represent their country, or do they want to be a, a successful professional athlete? And, and earn enough money to support themselves and their family. I'm sure they want to do both, but Trent. I mean, look at look at Trent Sainsbury and uh, Tommy Urich. Um, Trent Sainsbury was offered three and a half million dollars a year to play in China, and he's only going to be what 25 at the end of his three-year contract. You know, he's going to be reaching his peak by that time. He can still go and play for anybody, or sign another contract in China for two, three times as much. At the same time. To his credit, you know, from I mean, how do you say no to that money? But but 
around about the same time, Tommy Urich said no to even more money than that, um, according to the to the rumor. Mm. Um, um, he's gone to play in Europe. Um, he struggled to find clubs, uh, and he's playing for significantly less money than he would have been making in China. So. Two different attitudes by two different players. I and think there's a, there's a few years difference though between Urich and uh, Sainsbury, and I think that does make a significant difference. As you say, Sainsbury's got three years when he can come back and still be at the top of his game yeah. with his best years ahead of him, whereas three years for Urich would take him towards his 30s. Well, uh, I, was actu- I was actually surprised uh, when Urich turned that money down. Um, it <laughs> There's no way I would have turned it down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean... Uh, it is a, a tricky one, you know. I think the, there's players like Rogic and Moy who are clearly going to be long-term socceroos, first choice, first team regulars, and you've got players like Burns who are periphery players who you know have struggled not just at international level but sometimes at club level as well. And you know, if there's good money and offer, if I'm in that position, I'd take the money rather than you know hold out for the chance of international football that probably isn't coming my way at this moment mm. uh, so it's it's how much you back yourself and how much of a realist you are as well at the same time I think I think for me the, the, the actual most important thing that came out of that Socceroos match was what's happened to Matt Lyons' accent <laughs> <laughs> what was that post-match interview I didn't see it he's, <laughs> he's gone from being the boy from Gosford to being the boy from Leichhardt with the woggy Spanish-Australian accent <laughs> thing going on. I mean, he's gone from being intelligent and articulate to giving monosyllabic interviews where, obviously, he's trying to keep it simple for a Spanish audience, forgetting that he's speaking to Australians. It was bizarre. But just on Matty Ryan, I, I would I would say that he's the exception that proves the rule as far as um, not playing regularly is concerned, because I thought he had a terrific game. I, he pulled off some great saves and kept us in the game without a doubt, especially towards in the, uh, the end of the second half. But uh, there were moments where he was coming, he was punching too often, he was taking adventurous routes out of the box. He's always done too that. often. Yeah, but it seemed and, a bit and, more, and when that, bit more the, hectic than usual. And on that sponge cake pitch, when the ball is holding up, all of a sudden it looks much more dodgy than uh, uh, he was. He wasn't filling me with confidence, certainly in the first half, uh, and his distribution seemed to be letting him down a bit as well in that game. Uh, um, but generally, yes, apart from his accent. Just to <laughs> uh, just to finish on on, on maybe a, maybe a positive. Only team unbeaten in the group, one point behind top of the league, and more home games than away games to play. Is it, is it all doom and gloom? Oh, it's not the end of days, but another couple of results where we don't get wins, and Arnie's going to start looking very good. Giving more support to Ange. <laughs> 100% <laughs> confidence but in Ange. You just can't picture it. Ange has got his book out. You know what I mean? Like when, you, when the book comes out, it just reminds me of those English coaches. The book comes out, and all of a sudden your team gets relegated, like David O'Leary style. <laughs> like, like, release the book. After the World Cup, where you've done something, I don't understand mm. the book, this book thing. But anyway, it, well, it is really strange timing in, in terms of just, career. Uh, I agree. I, I expect us to qualify, um, and I expect us to to be first or second. Um, 
but be, I think I think this is probably the wake up call Ange needed. Yeah. We we were in a worse position than this now last time, and we and we came good. Mm. Yeah, but I think we expected to be in a worse position and last time because of the manager that was in place and the style of football we'd been playing up to then. This time, at this point, I think we expected to be comfortably first or second. We certainly didn't expect to be third, and we didn't expect to be uh, drawing against UAE, Saudi, well, well, it, Thailand. Well, at one point behind first with five games to go, three of them in Australia. Um, I, I'm not, I also think we, we, we sh- I certainly hope we'll qualify but the fact that there is any doubt about that right now is a wake-up call that we didn't want. If if we drop points in the next two games, it will be time to start worrying. Yeah, but everyone's a lot of those teams are in contention, right? Isn't it? For, is isn't Iraq still in contention as well? Everybody's in contention, uh, yeah. except, except for Thailand. Thailand. So yeah. it's every yeah. game that we play, it's do or die, and every team is going to they're all going to leave it out on the pitch. Yeah. You know. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Iraq away the next game on Thursday the 23rd of March and backed up in Australia against the UAE on Tuesday the 28th of March uh, and then followed by Saudi at home, Japan away and the final game is Thailand at home on the 5th of September. So, no easy games. No. no. Some big ones. I think Ange just needs to realise that if you're not attacking it doesn't mean that you're playing defensively or boringly. You can still control a match without necessarily being all out, one hundred percent attack. You just need to extend that uh, tactical strategy a little bit. It's not all doom and gloom, um, but it might it might be for Western Sydney Wanderers. They've had a bit of a dip of form, and Friday night they were they were booing Tim Cahill. How about that? So I I I um. I, I, I didn't watch the whole game and I watched the highlights and I, and I saw everyone's um, criticising about how um, Wanderers fans were booing Cahill so I checked in with our resident uh, Wanderer member um, who works in the office and I said were they, were they booing Cahill because when he scored his goal it almost felt like they were booing because it looked like it was offside and, uh, and I was like were they booing him or were they booing the goal because the um, Bullets goal just got yeah. um, rolled out and he was like, well, it was a bit of both. So apparently uh, Cahill had a little slap at half-time uh, as he was walking off the pitch, and um, uh, which was right in front of the assistant assistant line. Kind of slap. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember um, which player. Took a slap or gave a slap? Gave a slap. Had a, had a little slap on one of the Wanderers players right in front of the assistant uh, assistant ref. And, um, and nothing happened, no card, right in front of the Wanderers fans. So hence why there was a bit of booing towards um, Mr. Cahill. Um I think, yeah. Yeah, I think perfectly reasonable to boo a player. Boo away. Yeah. Uh, and did you see the grin on his face when he was being booed? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, he loves that shit. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't take that personally at all. That just fires him up even more. Uh, I think anybody getting offended by that is just being ridiculously politically correct and doesn't understand what being a football fan is all about. Do you not know what he's done to this country? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, that's tradition to have returning soccerers being booed by opposition fans. I remember Eloisi <laughs> would, would copper when he'd come to Sydney FC when he was Even playing was for the Mariners. He was booed by Sydney fans. That, oh. when, that's right. Oh, well, after yeah. he missed that sitter that time. Exactly. Oh, boy. <laughs> With good reason. <laughs> And he's My father a, would have scored that goal, and he's been dead for five the years. The sight of him in the fetal position on his knees in the net will live on for me as possibly the saddest sight of any soccer ever. Bullets goal. It was a goal. It was a goal. 
Yeah. It's always funny to see a go a player celebrate like that. Like that. Just have the rug yeah. pulled out from underneath them immediately afterwards, even if it was wrong. It's it, He seems to be um, a fairly... Um, volatile and, and fragile personality, and um, and for, for to be denied a perfectly fair goal, yeah. And just imagine if he'd been given a second yellow card for that, yeah. <laughs> to score a fair goal and get sent off for celebrating. Because usually he does take it off, too. Actually, yeah, he yeah. does. He yeah. does like the opportunity to... missed by the referee that just added would have ten out of ten for hilarity in that one. Oh, so that could have pushed him right over the edge. Would that have? Because the play would have stopped because it was offside. So the ball went in the back of the net. So, but yeah, no, no, because he's still, he's still, still left the leaving the pitch. pitch so it doesn't really matter, doesn't it? And taking yeah. his top off. Yeah, that's yeah. You could get two yellows. <laughs> I thought I thought the way that Fox Sports timed the amount of um, timed him being away from the pitch, I thought that was a bit. I don't know if it's cruel or cheeky, but it was. <laughs> no, was it a minute thirty or something like that? Or thirty? No, thirty seconds or something. <laughs> I was actually making up. dinner at the time. And I sort of was looking up and thinking, oh, Bullock scored. Oh, he's still celebrating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good, good. And signed out. Oh, he stopped celebrating. Oh, I wonder what that's about. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Watching matches with the sound down is actually quite... An, it, it adds an extra level of entertainment. <laughs> I fully recommend it. Especially when Brenton Speed's uh, commentating. <laughs> Jared Tyson oh, yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Who ever thought that was going to happen? Him was it th- uh, by um, by his interview after the game. Was it three? He doubted whether he was good enough to play. Was it three years since he's played? Was, was it more than that? Yeah, it's certainly been quite some time. Yeah, yeah, and, and a couple of different clubs as well yeah. without getting a game. Yeah, poor bloke. There's quite a few of them in the uh, air league at the moment though that are in that position, but suddenly getting game time this year that really didn't get game time for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. He, well, he was more of like an ambassador than a player. He was, really. he, he was official uh, norm carrier at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> whenever there was a whenever there was a community appearance, he was there, and he's very good actually. Uh, he is. He's, he's, he's a great. He's yeah. a great club ambassador. Yeah. Possibly better than a goalkeeper. I don't know. I thought he had a good game. Well, he's in he the running for uh, Bachelor of the Year, judging by previous goalkeepers that didn't get a game. Um, the um, city. Any, any thoughts on uh, on them? So that's the, we've uh, we, we we spoke a little bit last week how they've maybe had a, a dip of form. They they only just kind of beat Jets um, last week. Um, I was about to I was about to say they definitely seem like they're having a dip. They they were quite rampant early season and um, they're not that convincing, not that cohesive at the moment. In fact, I have to say. Besides, besides the bullet celebration, I actually found that a pretty hard game to watch. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, it, it was like they're all on um, um, Valium or something. So the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but that is true of many early games, though. To be honest, you can just oh, find it. I mean, sometimes. I I watch most games and. Um, uh, that for me, that was one of the more boring games that I've seen in a while, and unlike the Perth game, the, the which we, which we can come on to now. Three um, one. So did, did someone did someone tip this last week that Adelaide were, were going to bounce back? 
<laughs> I'm sure I'm sure someone, when we were chatting last week they were like I think Adelaide's got this I think Adelaide's Joy it might have been it's well, well, well I wouldn't they're, they're long overdue I wouldn't be surprised to see them get up against Sydney because Sydney have dropped points and how often do you see when a team goes on a long run they they drop points they drop points again yeah but anyway, we weren't going to talk about Sydney just yet. Mm. No, and we did when we spoke about that last week. Was it? Um, was it? Um, Joey said that Sydney have won one of ten in Adelaide or something. Uh, I'm not sure about Adelaide. It's Brisbane. That's oh, Brisbane. It, sorry, it was the following it, week. Yeah, it was Brisbane, which they've got um, the reputation with. Yeah, Brisbane. It's always a struggle. Sydney have seen. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay on Perth, Adelaide, um, and more. Cops a one-week one touchline ban for unsporting conduct towards a match official. Mr. Cole, Billy Love. He touched the fourth official to get his attention on the shoulder. One-week ban. Ridiculous. Plus more. Ridiculous. That's just Ridiculous. That sounds like a two-week ban for me. Insane. <laughs> Insane. Hanging judge. <laughs> Draconian. Um, I think we should have a year zero with the league referees. <laughs> what I was about to say about who deserves a one-week ban. Year zero for the A-League referees, we take them out, we just yeah. make a pile of referees' skulls and start again. <laughs> start fresh, Cambodia star. <laughs> I didn't wow. realise it was that kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really... They're, they're, four, we're, what, eight weeks into the competition? Yeah, this, is, this was the seventh. Yeah. Four, seven weeks into the competition, four A-League refere- managers have been cited and banned, fined. Yeah. That's insane. That metric, that relationship should never be happening. And they're all fined or banned for exactly the same thing, complaining about the referee. How can that not get send a message to the FFA? And yet they still continue to back the referees. He was complaining, wasn't he, at the time about um, Galekovic being taken out? Yeah. See, I actually Kiyoko. thought that was a perfectly fair challenge and play what? on. What? I have to say, I, I, no I actually do agree with you as well. Yeah. No, he was going I, I, for I disagree. <laughs> look, look at his eyes. His eyes are only on the ball. And his he's, elbow he's was, was in Galekovic's head. I, I, I'm not saying that I agree that it should be a foul, because I think goalkeepers get protected too much, but it, it is. By, you see that given as a, a, as no a free way. kick. Kind of 99 oh, times I can't out. understand how you can reach that conclusion. A lot of people have said that, though. No. I think it's yeah. just jumping on the bandwagon, maybe, this, this once... <laughs> just fair challenge for me. You, you've got to get it's like yeah. a, a unicorn's been seen and everyone can see it. Like, uh, <laughs> you've got, been spotted. You've got to get your arms up when you jump. It's 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 what the body naturally does, and we'll talk about what the arms naturally do a bit later. But um, um, it, it's uh, for me totally fair jump going for the ball. But his elbow reaches the ball, not his head. Well, nothing and Galekovic was Galekovic grabs the ball and he drops it. He drops it because uh, Griffith's elbow uh, hit the ball. I think I'll, 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 along with Galekovic, do not touch Adrian because you will get a one-week ban. <laughs> <laughs> not even a finger. <laughs> well, Simon Hill called uh, um, grabbing in his article today about referees. Sorry, Guillermo, but I'm sure touching officials is against the rules in Spain too. He said, "No, there's a difference <laughs> between touching an official and aggressively touching an official. Mm. And there was absolutely nothing aggressive about him touching him. Mm. He was simply touching his shoulder to get his attention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Danny Vukovic did a high five slap 
which was, you know, <laughs> a little bit aggressive uh, and suffered the consequences. Oh, <laughs> Joe Griffiths, sack whacked a referee in the nutsack, gets away with it completely. No, yeah. d- don't get me started about either of those incidents. <laughs> is, the, is the lesson be aggressive? Well, yeah, it does seem to be. Yeah, if you're going to get banned Faith. for any contact whatsoever, you might as well punch him. Faith no more, son. Um, uh, and what was also funny about that incident was the irony of Perth Glory coach uh, saying that if it happened to he his team, he would have been livid. <clears throat> and I thought that that was really honest of um, Kenny Lowe, Kevin Ayres, to say that. <laughs> um, I am not Kenny Lowe. <laughs> but it just that to me just proves how wrong of a decision it was. Even the opposition <clears throat> coach was like, Ooh. If it was me. Gillett, the best a man can get. <laughs> uh, Brisbane Raw and Sydney FC um, played out a 1-1 draw. Brilliante with an absolute cracker. First ever professional goal. I'm very surprised at that. <laughs> it's quite an incredible record. I'm very it? surprised. <laughs> it's been around for years. Six, six years. And it's his first ever first ever goal. And Michael Cockrell lost it. I'm not surprised. He lost it. It was it was an absolute yeah. screamer, but I, I could not believe that six. Surely he's scored in some level, but anyway, must not must not. I, I don't I don't doubt Fox Sports callers. Um, well, he spent a fair bit of time in that six years not playing in Italy. True, true. There's a couple of years out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he was at the Jets before that. Yeah. You think? The, true, well, I the, know. the the the, the level like that. Of, the level of quality it takes to hit a ball like that. Yeah, he, you don't just suddenly acquire. So he's had that quality. It's amazing he hasn't scored before. Mm. Yeah, he's going to get more chances, I think, this season. I mean, he has been playing out of the skin this season. He's really yeah, he's played excellent. Yeah. filled that role perfectly. The whole Sydney FC, I don't want to wank on about them because we always do, but they are playing exceptionally well. Full credit to them. It's a balanced side. Depth in the, on the bench. Well, you know, look, look what he's done. He's, he's, it's, you know, it's Arnie's got all the old Mariners plus a... Plus, a, plus the Mariners coaching staff, yeah, and uh, and a bunch of um, excellent new um, people from overseas. I think the only surprise for me was that they didn't manage to beat Roar. Uh, I think you know, I still, given the, the the side they've got and how what a good run they've been on, I still would have expected them to take all three points. So, mm. uh, and full credit to Roar for and keeping them to one Theo, goal. more so. Yeah, outstanding. Like they, uh, eighteen shots on uh, on goal, six on target. But I, I would say I'd probably say four or five of those saves from Theo were world class. The, the last one on a beanie where he came out, oh my he was gosh. outside the box, and he his arms were behind his back, and he, he couldn't have done anything anything else. And he it was fantastic. Brilliant Still, goal I, I thought a beanie should have done better. Yeah, I, th- I think he'd only just come on, hadn't he? And it was his, it was one of his first touches yeah, and beautiful chest down, yeah. to control the ball. Um, but I think um, uh, Theo just ran out so quickly. I, I watched that again today, and I was thinking he should have maybe you know taken it around the keeper. But mm. I think there was no other option. Once he chested it down, that was the next action, right? Yeah. So and Theo just stood strong, um, put his body, so put his body. Yeah, I think it's it's the difference between you know world class overseas strikers and Australian strikers. And that they size up those opportunities so yeah they've quickly. got a couple of so options. I mean, you, you think of someone like Aguero, 
you know, or, or or even somebody getting a bit past it, like um, like Rooney. Mm. You know, he, he, there's no way he would have um, tried to go over from that. Mm. I don't mm. think, or if he had, he would have done it. Um, but that, that kind of answered one of our questions when we were talking in the last week's pod about where Abini was going to fit into this Sydney team, and he kind of came in for Ninkovic, only kind of ten minutes ten minutes out, but played pretty central though, didn't he? I think that was more just to give him game time. To be honest, I'd be yeah. very surprised if he continued to play centrally. Yeah. His, his, his biggest feature is his speed, and you can really only get up to full speed on yeah. the wings. The con- mm. I think the conventional wisdom is that he he will eventually take over from Matty Simon, but Matty Simon's doing a job. He is for, yeah. for Sydney. Mm. He's never looked better, to be honest. And well, I've I've always rated him very highly. Uh, yeah, but he, he's actually got faster, which. I really well, didn't expect to see ever. He struggled with a lot of hamstring issues for some time, um, and he had other injury issues when he went over to Korea. But um, he, um, the the year he went to Korea, if you look back at some of the games he played, he was magnificent because he always had that the speed and the raw power and the aggression. But suddenly he had a touch that season, touch and intelligence, and he's got that in spades now. And yeah. um, you know, Still got a crunching the, the Sydney FC well. the Sydney FC fans are only starting to warm to him in the last couple of games. Mm. Um, mm. Rightly so, uh, but he's been playing magnificently for them, and he did last year as well. Um, last year, yes, last really? year because last year what he did for Arnie, especially when he was you know strikers were dropping like flies, he hounded those defences again and again and again and again. He made it hard for them to pass out from the back, and as soon as he went off. I don't know how many Sydney FC games I watched last year when Simon was replaced. Suddenly nobody's hounding the defences. They're easily getting up to the final third and suddenly the pressure's on Sydney. That happened again and again. I wonder if he's still on minimum wage. I bet he is, or close enough. Mm. Jeez. Bargain. Um, well, Referee watch. Theo getting booked for being barged. Yeah. I mean, oh, that was ridiculous. Come that was ridiculous. I, I did enjoy, even that was ridiculous. I did enjoy that though. I, How about Ryan Grant's two yellow cards. Awesome. Well, <laughs> well sensational. The, well, the thing Grant is, Paul, your heart out. The th- I, I've got uh, conflicting views on this, which is not unusual for me. But, uh, um, I actually think it was a, a good tackle in the first place. You know, yes, he was off the ground, um, but you've, how do you? How else do you get to the ball? He got to the ball well before the other player, I think. And, I, I, I'd agree. It was, and, and he wasn't, agree he wasn't studs up. Um, and then the thing is, the referee pulls his card out. Everybody's, you know, John Aloisi, every, uh, um, everybody's blowing up saying he's pulled the card out, he must have forgotten to give it. Maybe he did, but the thing is, there's nothing in the laws of the game that say that once you pull that yellow card out, you have to give it. It's like chess, though. As soon as you touch it, you've got to have a move it. <laughs> That's a convention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, it's not the rules, but it's accepted. Apparently, in the referees' um, protocols, they say that if you pull your card out, you've got to give it. Oh, really? But, but that's that's I the ref- that's that the referees' protocols. That. It's not the laws of the game. Mm. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Mm. Yeah, but it's not uncommon to like. It has been seen before for a ref to pull, reach for his for his card to reach for his book, and then kind of just go, you know, calm it down. Change this is, yeah. you know, yeah. this is or, your or touch his stage. pocket and say, yeah. you know what, I, you know, you know, I hold all the cards, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I like yeah, the yeah. touching the pocket. I like that. It's oh. very subtle. But it reminded me of like when your dad would just stick, take his shoe off and just go, huh, <laughs> huh. <laughs> 
That's Greek living for you. Yeah, but the Greeks never the, the Greeks never put it back on. They, well, my, my, they went through with it. My mother's Irish, and she used to rattle the pot and pans drawer and get what, what on earth has she got? Um, Sunday, the Jets versus the Mariners, the Derby. Eleven thousand turned out to watch it. Um, away fans getting free with their membership. Is this, a, is this a new initiative this year? Mm. I, I've kind of missed this. Yes, yeah. it is. It is brand new. And in fact, it was only approved uh, in the week before the game, I think. Fantastic. Yeah. What a brilliant idea. Well, for for a game, you know, a, a, you know, they're calling it the oldest derby. Um, for a game that's lost its cachet to some extent, mm-hmm. with both clubs struggling in the last couple of years, I think it's... Um, I think it's a very good move by them to um, to to restore the atmosphere. Yeah, I, th- I think it's brilliant. I've been I've been saying this for ages. There should be one away round of the season where uh, each team gets in free to an away, and that would just encourage. So if you're going to do a one away, away game of the year, and you know there's, you're going to be surrounded by another two three thousand fans, you'd go. You'd travel mm. from Adelaide to Sydney or Adelaide to Perth. Good. But if, for, the, for the weekend, if we all owned our own stadiums, if every club owned their own stadiums, it would actually make more sense financially to make every game free for away fans, uh, maybe yeah. members. Oh, but where do you draw the line? No, because you'll, get, you'll recoup so much mon- money in uh, merchandising and uh, hospitality, catering. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll more than cover your ticket costs, I would think. Mm. It would be very good for the TV audiences to um, uh, and and. Mm. F- yeah, f- and Rights negotiations and the like yep. to, for TV executives to regularly see more people at the ground and creating a big, especially when we're talking, say, derbies. You know, mm. if those are the ones they pick. Well, you probably wouldn't pick. Well, you obviously wouldn't pick a Sydney derby, but you. Um, I just think the ones that aren't going to get a big crowd necessarily. Like, yeah, like a, a Sydney derby has become such a big thing in in the A League because it's it's not it's never really been seen in in, in the A League before in, in in Australian football to a certain extent. You know, you, you get these big away fans, you get that away fan culture like in other parts of of the world. Well, like, we, we did in the old NSL days because almost every game was a derby. Of some sort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back that, then. The, the the other side of the coin, though, is that um, given the distances involved for Australia, uh, yeah. if you're going to spend the money on an airfare and everything else to go to a game mm. uh, as a travelling fan, the last thing you care about is the twenty thirty bucks to get into the game itself. But but if you if there's one game that everyone gets in free, rather than spending that, that extra twenty dollars, there might be two thousand of you that that get in free. So that that would be the one game that every, that kind of mobilises this active supporter groups to actually go and and, and watch yeah, the game. So you, you get that big atmosphere. Yeah. You get the yeah. the away day. Each fan group usually has a sort of national tour of duty game, mm. don't they? Where yeah. they will choose one game that they will actually all make an effort and yeah. put cash up to go a long distance to see mm. um, as it stands. Yeah. But yeah, I think anything that gets more people through the gates is is a good idea. Like if Sydney FC have a have a couple of rounds where they have Newcastle Mariners fans coming for free mm. I reckon that's a good idea maybe the Wanderers do the same thing because like you said if you get mm. 2,000 of them coming yeah. and they're free but they're going to spend money on merchandise and $20 meat pies yeah <laughs> um, what, what about the game we were talking about Mariners apparently playing some of the best football in the A-League um, I thought they did at times in that first I half I have yeah. to say I also agree yeah, yeah. yeah. I am I, um, I'm I, as a Mariners fan, I'm um, quite enjoying. Aren't you a Sydney fan now? All the all the Mariners players are at Sydney FC. Yeah, no, I'm still, a Mar- still a Mariners fan. Oh, okay. just. <laughs> but um, I, I, I have to say, I've 
found um, Paul Ocon quite. Inter- I'm, I was very sad to see Hutch go. Mm. Um, yep. I, I think Hutch is a lovely bloke, and um, I've personally been to um, uh, coaching sessions that he ran for local clubs, um, coach the coaches type things. He's a great coach, mm. and and uh, according to Laurie, he's a. Uh, you know, he's he is a really wonderful man manager as well. So uh, you know, he's not quite had his chance yet, but he he gets man management. Mm. So um, so that was a little bit of a shame that the club let him go. Um, I thought Paul the manner Ocon, they let him go as well was outrageous. Pardon? I thought the manner they let him go as well. Oh yeah, yeah. He um, he said to me, um, I was talking to him the other day. He said to me, they um, he said uh, Paul Ocon was announced. He said I didn't hear from him for a week. He said I knew it was game over. So that's that's appalling, yeah. you know, to treat the club legend like that. Yeah. But anyway, um, um, I reckon his time will come. I hope so. His time I, re- will come. I really do. I really do. But you know, the, there's only so many jobs that that's pay right. in, uh, in, in Australia. He'll have ecosystem. to go overseas, I think, first. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, um, I think I think Ocon has done a very good job picking up when he did with what he's got. Um, to be fair, he's entertaining to watch on the sideline, and the team are playing well. Mm. You know, they're they're not. The, the the whipping boys that everybody said they were going to. No, be. I must admit. I mean, my preseason prediction of 100 goals conceded has got nowhere near going to happen at all, and I'll, quite rightly so. I'll tell you who else has really pleasantly surprised me, and that's Izzo. Um, I did not rate him at all because mm. the first time I ever saw him play, it was for Adelaide against the Mariners, and he let in this pathetic goal, a, a 30 yarder from Josh Rose. And it went straight through him, and I thought, you know, what, you know, what is this guy why doing you, masquerading in an A-League match? <laughs> but, um, but, and, and he made a couple of dreadful mistakes last year, but boy, he's played well this year. Still, a bit dodgy kicks sometimes. Yeah, but he's um, got reasonable hands. But, but his, uh, ask Jade North about that. <laughs> and, and, and he made he made some good saves. Like the Jets came into it a bit more in the second half. Twenty shots they had in the game, only five on target. Your man Devante. He had uh, he had five or six. I think I think he Straight maybe messy. only yeah. I think he maybe only hit one. Did you try forty meter? Got shot as well. Yeah, from he, he, forty meters. That was on target. Shit's on sight. He he always tries to make an impact uh, in every game that he's in. Uh, he's not short of ambition or self belief. Just can't convince managers necessarily. The the um, the thing that um, at at the risk of um, opening up. Uh, a can of worms about an old chestnut to mix a million metaphors in one go <laughs> in a sentence. Um, I was very, very annoyed, and this may be a Mariner view, but I was very annoyed at the second yellow card for uh, Liam Rose. I mean, to my mind, that was not a handball. See, I'm actually do disagree with you, and I usually, usually, I'm in your camp, but it's, that was very much hand to ball, not ball to hand. So I completely disagree. He he took a split step. He was the 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 the, the fellow was very close to him. He took a split step at the time. And footballers are not river dancers. You know, yeah, yeah. Ha- if you take a split step, your hands go out like that, and that's what he was in the process of doing. But his hand then came down, and it was in the downward motion that he hit it. I, it, I it agree. Too, there's not. It was too there's quick. nothing he could have done about it. it, it was, but it was too quick by the very definition yeah, of but, the law. And the other thing is, well, is, is got, that a yellow? No. I've got the if, law. If it's a handball, fair enough. I've got the law right here. Oh, here oh. we go. And I don't think, by the definition, it was um, no doubt a, a, hand, a, a handball. Um, 
the um, the other thing too is that the referee does not have to give a yellow card when mm. uh, for a handball. There are certain situations in which he does have to, and and I suppose if he believed one hundred percent it was a handball, then he then has to ask himself: Was he preventing a um, uh, a dangerous attacking situation? Again, you could say maybe he was. Um, it was outside the box, and there was a lot of players still in the box, so. It wasn't. There was no way it was going to be a goal-scoring opportunity directly. Mm. It's definitely, it's a yellow card if he's preventing a, a goal-scoring opportunity with a handball. But it wasn't, and uh, and and it was. It, it had a big impact on the game, and 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 I still maintain that he he still hadn't even reached the threshold because it. I don't think it was a deliberate handball, as they all have to be. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, Coco, did you see that? Oh. Barge by Penguin. <gasps> oh, broken jaw, fractured, fractured jaw out for several weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he, he went to he underwent surgery on Monday, I believe. But do you think it was a barge, or do you think it was just a really solid, desperate tackle to get the ball? Is that when he when he went for the follow up? He, well, he, when he, the fact that he got smashed in the jaw and the ball went out for a goal kick. I think there's so Bingham didn't get anywhere near the ball, didn't touch the ball. So yeah, that's he wasn't. He was only an inch or so away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Mariners fan speaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, well, I wish him a, a speedy recovery. Um, they've, they've not had so much much luck with um, injuries, Jets, oh. so far this season. Um, but um, your Mariners, Adrian, will play Perth on Thursday night. And then Friday night down at Spotless, Wanderers will host Brisbane Raw. Victory, we should hopefully see them play this week against the Jets on Saturday afternoon. Amy Sydney will take on Adelaide at the SFS. And the Sunday afternoon game, City will play Wellington um, after their week off. Hopefully they'll... uh, their good run of form may continue against City away. Um, Gents, that's all. Adrian, thanks a lot for coming in. Um, And and pick up your read. Perfect football present pre-Christmas. Political Football, Laurie McKinna's Dangerous Truth by Adrian Deans. In all good bookstores or Booktopia. <laughs> Extract in the new issue of 442 in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. Gone. Thanks, yes, man. Yes. No worries. Kev. Cheers. Felix, good work today, mate. <laughs> and we'll, we'll speak to you next week. See ya. <laughs>